Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. We're on to episode 18 today. And as always, I'm joined by Hugo. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Gons. And when you said episode 18, I, I heard 80 for a second. And to be honest, it could have been 80 because it feels like we've been doing this for years. But yeah, great to be here. Great to be back. Favorite time of the week for sure. And yeah, just looking forward to chatting some paddle as we always do. Exactly. Well, hopefully we will make it to 80. I'm sure we will. But as you say, it does feel like we've we've been doing this for a while. And um, as they say as well, you know, time passes by when you're having fun. Uh, and it certainly feels like that for me. And, and I'm sure that's for you. But uh, going into this week's uh, tournament and episode, well, it was the first week back from the summer break and uh, the first week of paddles. So I'm sure you were very happy that it is back. And uh, we had a very good tournament. Obviously, massive news with the defeat of uh, Arturo Coelho and Tapia, who had been obviously killing in in the World Paddle Tour, so they being the number one pair. And uh, I'm sure that it was shocking to you in the, the manner in which they were defeated. So by two sets, who were they were defeated by? Bergamin and Ruiz, which are great players, but obviously not the, I guess, usual suspects that that you would assume would, would defeat Coelho and Tapia. And... Um, and yeah, in the quarterfinals as well. So not even making the semis. But uh, yeah, I guess as as we usually do, what were your thoughts on on the tournament? Well, actually, was it, it wasn't it the round of sixteen? Or maybe round I think of sixteen? They lost on a on the Thursday. So yeah, ah, yes. round of sixteen, which makes it even more yeah. more baffling. And I remember True. just sending you a, a screenshot of it and being like, "Hey, they've lost." Which actually, that's a good point. I was very happy to. Well, see, and the fact that Paddle's back, but so annoying that we weren't able to watch the matches until Friday because they weren't broadcasted. And yeah, really annoying because not being able to watch, for example, Goya and Tapia losing against Bergamini and Reith was really annoying. And I'm sure it was a fantastic game because even when Goya and Tapia announced it on their respective Instagram accounts, they said, great match between the four of us. Ruiz and Berga fully deserved it. I think they train a lot together, so they seem to really be like good friends as well off the court. And yeah, I mean, that was the biggest shock for me, for sure. I wanted to kick off with a really good stat that I just read on Bain Instagram website, and it's the following. So since the start of the World Paddle Tour 11 years ago, so the World Paddle Tour as it is known today, a pair made up of players that have never won a trophy has never won a final. So what it means is that Koki and John had obviously never won a trophy, World Paddle, World Paddle Tour trophy, and they lost the final. So no players that have gone into the final without winning a trophy and playing together have won that final in over 11 years. So it's zero out of 17 finals which I was baffled. Wow, about. that is that is an insane stat. Nico Cuarles yeah. would love that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that I'm sure, to be honest, who knows, maybe Bain the F have read it from or heard it from Nico's comments. May well be the case because as we know, he's the stat man and just want to take a quick moment to say how much we enjoyed having him in our episode last week. You know, one of the biggest 
voices in paddle today and just so knowledgeable. So we learned so much from him. But yeah, I mean, I was really, really baffled wow. by. So, so essentially what you're saying is that any pair that have won basically in the last 11, well, since the start of the World Power Tour, they've already won trophies with another pair. Well, one at least one of the oh, players yeah. in that pair has had to have won a trophy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, really interesting stat. And I thought, let's drop it out, give our viewers some juice. But yeah, yeah. I'm amazed. I'm I'm amazed. And it's a great stat. And I really hope someone breaks it. I, I've watched the final. And even though the first set was obviously very much dominated by Le Ronald Alain, and they smashed Boggy and John Six Love, the second set really, really even. And it's a shame that, game didn't go to a third set because it could have definitely gone either way and if Gokki and John had managed to take it to a third set I'm sure they would have been extra pumped and extra motivated but I've got to be honest I always saw Leron and the land more in control Yeah, and you know Gokki and John correct me if I'm wrong but they served to win the set that was 6-5 up serving to win that set and they lost the game that deciding game to go to the tie break only winning one point with some kind of average errors or not errors that you're used to see seeing from those players which shows that well they probably struggled a bit with the pressure and yeah. I wanted to make a point I think that Lebron and Galan are probably a level above any of the other players on the tour in terms of mental resilience and getting back from well really negative positions and scores in matches we saw them do that against Goya and Dabia recently. And even though they ended up losing that epic game, Chile, if I'm not mistaken, they came back and turned their game upside down. And I just think that in terms of mental resilience, I mean, Lebron's still not fully back to his level. He's starting to smash more and more, but he's not as attacking and as aggressive as he used to be. And they've still managed to, well, win this final two sets to love and beat a lot of very, very good pairs. So I just want to take a moment to give them a shout out and say how good they are mentally. And even when they're not at the peak of their game, they still manage to eke out those wins. I mean, they can't remember which match it was. I think it was their quarterfinal match. They recovered two match points against them to go back and win it. And I think all the matches that they played from the last round of 16 onwards were to three sets until the final, which just shows how good they are at comebacks. I mean, I don't know what you thought about performance comes. Yeah, I thought on one side you clearly have a pair that's very experienced, has the know-how of how to win and how to compete. And on the other side, you had a pair that were clearly just it was a mo- it felt like the moment was too big for them. And obviously that's not a fault of their own. Like you it's so understandable. It was Koki Nieto's first final. That is not from a challenger, so a World Paddles Tour stage, which is obviously insane. Um, I can imagine the pressure that he was feeling. And then John Santa as well, despite the fact that he'd been to a final previously with Ale Galan, it's still very early stages for him in terms of getting to these rounds. So it's completely understandable that, yeah, they were a bit nervous and hence why the sixth love probably occurred. And additionally as well, I felt like even in the second set, 
that moment where they were a golden point and about to be a breakdown. So Leron Angalan going 2-0. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought that ball was out. And I thought that Leron Angalan were a bit like nice. As in, I was very surprised that they um they called it in for for John Santh. Um so yeah, I think I mean, despite all of this, like just it's still an amazing tournament and an outstanding performance, I think. I think since they've joined, they've been absolutely brilliant. And I love how they play. They're definitely one of my favorite pairs. If not my favorite, I would say. I, I just really, really love them. But uh, hopefully th this can be a tournament that can, you know, propel them and re they can really take the experience of being in a final and, and knowing how it feels like so that when they go into their next final, they're prepared. So, um so yeah, I think it was uh, it was a shame that didn't go three sets. Probably deserved in the end because uh, I do I did feel like Leonardo Angalan were a bit complacent in the second set, and it almost felt like they thought. I mean, anyways, this is in the bag. Uh, so it's a shame that it didn't really go to to the third set. But yeah, as you say, they're so resilient. The whole tournament, they've basically been in the back foot and having to dig themselves out of a hole, and they always somehow managed to do it even when they aren't maybe playing the best paddle um, or certainly to the potential that they can play and that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I just think they're mentality monsters and that sets them above the rest. I mean, obviously, they haven't had to face the two best pairs by far this season, being Tupandine and Odesuperbibes and Koyantapia. And I would have loved to watch, well, them play one of those two pairs. But... Yeah, I mean, they just, they always seem to have the upper hand, even then when they were, you know, match points down and, and breaks down against some of the other pairs in that third deciding set in all the rounds they played. It just felt like they were still in control. However, changing the, the, the subject, I think what, something really important I want to mention is that Koki and John Santh have definitely presented their credentials as the best of the rest. So outside the top three, you know, beyond Stubadinero, Goyo Dabia and... I think right now they're probably the fourth best pair, at least in my eyes. And in my eyes, they proved that they can fight to win a trophy before the end of the season. Obviously, they would have to beat some of the top, top pairs, but I do genuinely think they have it in them. And yeah, I mean, what would you say was the low light for you? I'd say probably Paquito and Chingoto. I was expecting way more from them. And I felt like once more, it was an epic clash, to be fair. And whenever Bela and Paquito are facing each other, you know, there's going to be fireworks. And Paquito in the, on the bench was actually, like, incredibly frustrated. And I think he was saying something to the, to the ref, uh, sort of saying, like, get me out of here um, and stuff like that. But leaving that aside, I think I just feel like you can clearly see when he's really on fire and when he's really up for the match and and maybe when he's not as motivated and and maybe this is something we'll we'll touch later obviously as as we now have a view of how the ranking is going to be formed in 2024 so maybe this tournament wasn't as relevant when when you take that into account but uh yeah i did i i feel like they are a better pair and i think that Paquito and Chingoto are very much a, they should be like a really strong contenders every time for a title and the clear favourites if 
the top three, let's say, are not there. Um, but yeah, I just felt like they didn't really. I mean, they they just didn't play their game, and Paquito wasn't as aggressive as aggressive enough. And to be fair, Tingota, I feel like his level has dropped slightly from the beginning of the season. I think at the beginning of the season, he was up there with leaving maybe Dineno aside as the best right-handed player because he was so consistent, wasn't missing anything. Even offensively, I thought with his Vibora, he was being quite aggressive and put the rivals in quite a like difficult situation. Whereas I feel now Chingoto, what he's lost a bit of is that consistency. And uh, he's not as... Well, he is just missing a bit more. And I feel like the unforced errors are a bit higher. Um, maybe, obviously, that's a product of the season and all the matches that they've had to play and obviously being tired and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I would go for them as uh, my disappointment. Obviously, leaving aside Koya and Tapia, who, yeah, I guess they are the big obvious disappointment because you definitely wouldn't expect for them to lose in the round of 16. But, yeah, I'd probably have to go with Paquito Tingoto just because of the expectations that I have from them. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I agree. It's either Paquito and Chingoto because they lose pretty they lost, sorry, pretty convincingly to um, Bella and Yanguas, who always seem to be in control of that match in the quarterfinals. And they obviously lost two sets to love. When they probably, when, if they saw the draw on paper and they saw they had to face Bella and Yanguas in the quarterfinals, they would have probably been relatively happy with that. Yeah. Not the toughest draw, as per se. I know that both Bella and Yanguas are playing really well. And they were excellent in that game. I mean, Bella was just unplayable. Yeah. The angles he found. and Yang was being really aggressive and covering so much of the court. But I was expecting more from them. I think an angle that's worth discussing probably affects not only Paquito and Chingoto's below average performance, but also Cuello and Tapia surprises. The fact that the court was quite slow. Yeah. And I think that affected all the big hitters. So I think... Koki and John Sant, even though they've both got a good smash, particularly John Sant, they're more workhorses and they just make you work and work and get the ball in. They, I think the players with really good Biwaras and who try to you know tie you down aren't actually as aggressive, benefited and well, from from the courts and had a good tournament. Obviously, we just mentioned Koki and John, but you know Lebron winning the tournament without being able to smash much. I think that was definitely affected by the fact that the court was quite slow. The fact that Bella was so good, he's been struggling recently to keep up with the pace of the matches against the top, top pairs. And he didn't really in the Finland Open this week. So I think it was definitely affected by those, the fact that the court was much slower. And I also wanted to give a shout out in terms of a big highlight, obviously to Lucas Bellamini and Victor Ruiz. I mean, mm. defeating in, defeating Koyo and Dabian two sets. And yeah, it was just a really good performance. Obviously, I only managed to watch the highlights because, as I said, it wasn't broadcasted. But they looked quite in control. And Victor Ruiz playing some of the best paddle in his life. He's mm. quite an underrated player. I've heard from other players during interviews. I think he's really hitting a peak in his game at the moment. And... Well, as we said, Benjamini probably benefited from the fact that it was a slower court and the fact that he's a smaller player and he's not as aggressive. Obviously, this helped him out, but that was probably my kind of my overview of the tournament. I don't know whether you've 
we've left any stones unturned in your eyes, Gons? Uh, no, but maybe just a quick thought on the tournament, which is not maybe related to the play, but now that you actually mentioned Bergamini and Ruiz, and they're not the only pair that had this situation, but I noticed as well, a lot of the coaches were not there. I don't know if you if you noticed, for example, um, who for there was another pair as well. Uh, Momo and Sanyo, their coach was not there. Uh, Bergamini and Ruiz, their coach was not there. On the women's side, the Alayeto twins, their coach was not there. I was just wondering, I don't know if you perhaps have any thought on that, any like theory as to why that would be the case. I've seen on Twitter, for example, just people saying that perhaps uh, from like a financial perspective, it wasn't worth it going all the way to Finland, obviously paying for accommodation, traveling, all of that. Um, yeah, just your quick thoughts, because I was very, very curious. I've got to be honest, I actually hadn't noticed that. So that's a great yeah. spot. For me. And yeah, I don't know. Probably it must be down to financial reasons, right? At the end of the day, it's expensive. We've spoken about the fact that until very recently, only the top 10, maybe even top eight paddle players can make a living from paddle and the rest of the players in the top 50, 100 and even beyond that had to be teachers and teach paddle and then play, which is just baffling. So who knows? Maybe there was a situation regarding the flights that they were incredibly expensive, maybe because it was towards the end of the summer and Finland could be a popular de destination towards the end of the summer because of the good weather. I don't know. Or could it be related to the fact that World Paddle Tour has obviously lost a bit of, I wouldn't say interest, but a bit of importance mm. due to the fact that the rankings completely changed and due to the acquisition by Premier Paddle. So I don't know. That's a, that's a great spot. And I do hope someone comes out and gives a reason for it because, yeah, yeah. Uh, really surprising. They did mention it on the commentary, but they never explicitly gave any reasons why or they didn't even offer their own opinions as to why uh, but yeah I just thought it was quite interesting yeah definitely definitely relevant and if any of our viewers have any thoughts please give us a comment drop us a comment on our Instagram website or our Twitter account we're always you know really looking for interaction and want to hear your opinions so it'd be great to hear <laughs> but um, moving on from the RA Invest Finland Open, who obviously RA Invest had the name rights to the tournament. Um, I wanted to talk about the new ranking, which is, well, to say the least, a very, very controversial topic. And I'll say it straight away, I don't agree with the new format and with the new way they, Premier Paddle, have decided that it's going to be, well, the points are going to be weighted. Do you, do you want to give a quick summary of what they've thought, how they're looking to do it? Yeah, so this was first reported by Vente Diez. So obviously a great job again from them. Uh, they're like such good good guys. And honestly, the the stuff they, they get from Paddle Perspective is absolutely unbelievable. So they first reported this where the new ranking for the 2024 season under the Premier Paddle Tour, obviously, as we know, it, it looks to be a unified and single tour after Q QSI acquire um, World Paddle Tour from Dam, and it's essentially going to be composed of eight Premier Paddle tournaments from 2022, eight Premier Paddle tournaments from 2023, so I believe the whole Premier Paddle season, basically, from 2022 and 2023. 
then three World Paddle Tour tournaments counting now from September. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah, five FIP tournaments. So uh, it's basically for the uh, International Paddle Federation tournaments. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think the big uh, controversial point is the weighting of the World Paddle Tour tournaments and the fact that, one, there's only three when the World Paddle Tour makes up the majority of the tournaments in a season. And probably, two, the fact that they're taking as well rankings from eight tournaments in 2022 when you're making up a ranking that's going to start in 2024. So obviously a two-year lag. Does that really determine who the number one, <laughs> someone that's won, let's say, all the tournaments in 2022? Are they actually the number ones in 2024? So obviously those are, I guess, the most controversial points. Uh, yeah, Hugo, what are your thoughts on this? Well, as I, I just mentioned very briefly, personally, I think it's incredibly unfair. I understand that it's hard to decide how it should be determined, given that it's a completely new scenario following Premier Battle's acquisition World Battle Tour. But at the end of the day, World Battle Tour has been the main tour for many, many years, and Premier Battle's only just started, really. But I think it's really unfair that World Battle points, World Battle Tour points, are going to count far less than Premier Battle points, and also even less than Fit points. And to be honest. I haven't even watched the FIP tournament, so I'm, I was really baffled by that as well. I think Goyo and Dabia are clearly the best pair in the world. They've earned their position as the number one ranked pair in World Paddle Tour, but they still aren't the number one ranked pair in Premier Paddle. And the fact that their current season, which is one of the best seasons in professional paddle and one of the best seasons in paddle that we've ever seen, practically isn't going to count in terms of next year's ranking is, in my view, totally wrong. I do hope Premier Paddle reconsider the ranking system. It does seem like it's still not 100% confirmed, but the rumours are really strong. I don't know what your thoughts are, Gonzo. Yeah, maybe just to quickly clarify, I think, so in terms of the FIP, just because there are a higher number of tournaments doesn't necessarily mean that the weighting is the same. So the weighting is actually done dependent on price money. So because obviously World Paddle Tour tournaments are higher price money than FIP, they will count more in a way. I think the reason why they've added in the FIP is because they're obviously lower tournaments. So one, obviously, it's their permanent paddle is part of the International Paddle Federation. So obviously, it's a good way for them to foster that, I guess, and, and, and make sure that they're included. And I think it's to essentially give more visibility and to grant the people that play FIP an opportunity to get into Premier Paddle through the qualifiers and stuff like that. I think that's more aimed towards, I guess, the lower ranked players that are aiming to get into like a main draw. Um, but setting that aside, obviously, in terms of Premier versus World Paddle Tour, the, yeah, the, the ranking is obviously completely outweighed from one to the other. And yeah, similar to how I was explaining of this balance between depending on price money, obviously as well, a 1000 or a P1 premier paddle tournament, which I think gives the same amount of points as a open like thousand. They're not equally weighted mainly because the price money is not the same and the price money is higher in premier paddle. So they even have like more weighting. Uh, but I mean, I guess taking all of that aside and just from a purely uh, paddle perspective and and what we want to see and I guess who deserves to be number one and all of that I completely agree with you that Coelho and Tapia 
I mean, they're they're clearly the number ones. I don't think anyone can deny their season that they've had. And it's sort of a shame that basically all the months, like basically like seven or eight months that they've put in have in a way not counted for much because towards the end of the year, they're not going to be able to say, oh, they're going to start the season being the number ones. Uh, or it doesn't look like that at least. But uh, yeah, it's it's obviously... I guess in that sense, it's a bit of a shame uh, for, from their side. And look, I've seen people saying that they, and obviously this is completely an opinion and it's not information or anything like that, but I saw someone on Twitter, uh, Rey del Globo, sort of saying that he understands why potentially they weren't as motivated in this Finland Open. That doesn't really count for much when this week we've got a major Premier Paddle tournament. So that was like, yeah, fair enough. Maybe they're just, you know, they, they didn't really want to get up for the tournament and they're focusing on other stuff. And now you see why, for example, Ale Galan a couple of months ago saying we've essentially shaped our season and really worked our season to focus on Premier because of the future of Paro. Now we can see uh, what he meant by that. And, uh, and yeah. I don't know how it will. There's obviously a lot of things that still need to be confirmed and, and ironed out because obviously as well, I'm guessing that there will be new Premier Paddle tournaments. So I don't know if that's going to fit in at all or how that will work. And obviously they can start the ranking system one way, but how is that going forward? Are they still going to be counting 2022 tournaments and stuff like that? So uh, obviously there's still a lot to figure out. But yeah, I, I guess an initial reaction and thought is that it does feel a bit unfair in the sense that given how much World Paddle Tour counts to, to Paddle and how like how much of the season it essentially occupies to only count those, you know, three tournaments and have very, very little weighting on it. It just doesn't feel as balanced. And I don't necessarily think that it would give a true reflection of a ranking that if you, even if you ask like players and coaches and they give you their ranking, like I'm sure that it will be a bit different. T totally agree. And it's a really good point, what you mentioned about the fact that even though there's five FIP tournaments that will be taking into account, three World Paddle Tour tournaments. The World Paddle Tour tournaments would count more than the FIP tournaments for prize money. And I agreed, they've thought that through and that is fair. But the fact that they're only counting three World Paddle Tour tournaments and also starting from now onwards is a joke because we've essentially had 60, 65% World Paddle Tour season already. And, you know, the rankings changed so much compared to last season. Obviously, Lebron and Galan, due to Lebron's injury, have dropped off a lot. A lot of new pairs, Vandinenov, playing sensationally well. So it's not just Guayantapia, it's everything else. All the other players, the Momo's growth as well, Koki, Nieto's, and John Sant's growth as well. So there's so many players that I think are going to be impacted negatively. And that's why I just, yeah. I really don't agree. I don't actually understand why they would be able to pretty much add up the points you have in Premier Paddle and the points you have in World Paddle Tour, plus the points that you have in FIP, and just have some sort of ranking like that. That would yeah. probably be fairer. Yeah, I guess, though, playing a bit of a, a devil's advocate, if Premier is buying World Paddle Tour and it's your tour, <laughs> you're basically going to count what you want. And if you think that 
you're the best store, you're just going to count your own points in a way. They could also, just to be fair, like say, look, I don't really care about World Paddle Tour and I'll just count Premier Paddle, my, my tour's tournament, like my tour's points. But to be honest, and I agree, and you're completely right what you're saying, but if that's the case, I would almost say then just focus on Premier Paddle. Don't count three tournaments yeah. from now until the end of the season for World Paddle Tour. That's almost saying like, yeah, we know what you are, yeah. but you're, you're an ant compared to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you're to be, nothing. Yeah. And to be fair, <laughs> actually, now that I'm saying this, I remember hearing as well, I think from Bain to the the reason why they're including three World Paddle Tour tournaments is because is exactly sort of what you were saying is because potentially the interest in World Paddle Tour would just go just completely nuts in the sense that no one would from at least from a player's perspective no one would waste a, a time right who would go all the way to Finland to play uh, to basically not have like any guarantee of anything so and, and make it like not count for anything so in, in that, I guess in what you were saying there, like what you're saying there is, is completely right. And yeah, obviously something to take into account. I do think that, yeah, some of the, I guess, World Paddle Tour to make sure that they're counting it from now is to make sure that they don't lose uh, interest at all. Because if not, at least the top players, I would doubt, I would seriously doubt if any of them would go to these tournaments. I completely agree. And I guess, again, playing devil's advocate, I guess it's a good thing, maybe, that they're counting three World Paddle tournaments because if not, maybe none of the big players or few of the big players would show up to the rest of the World Paddle Tour tournaments this season, which would be such a sad way to end mm. World Paddle Tour as a brand mm. and the season that's been electric, so good, one of the best seasons ever. So, For yeah, sure. a lot still to be determined and a lot to talk about, I'm sure, in the near future once the picture's a bit clearer. But... Moving on to one very quick topic, given that we don't actually have that long left. I wanted to mention and talk a little bit about Head's new revolutionary paddle bat. I've never seen anything like it. Have you Have you managed to get a glance, Gons? Yeah, I've, well, I've seen the racket, uh, but uh, it does look very weird. I'm not going to lie. My first thought was if basically this is as they say it is, and everyone sort of seems to be raving about it, they've just basically cheated us our whole lives. Like, why have they not done this from the beginning? Have we just been scammed our whole lives playing with a racket <laughs> that has a thousand holes for the actual good yeah. ones that only have one hole? It's, it's a great point, and that's exactly what I thought. So just for the benefit of our viewers, it's called the Head Extreme One, and the reason for this name is the fact that it only has one hole. So to put this into perspective, paddle bats normally have a lot of holes. I'd say around 20 to 30 or less. However, the rules of paddle state that a paddle bat needs to have at least one hole, but it doesn't say anything else. So they don't state a specific minimum number of holes. So therefore, a paddle bat with just one hole is fully legal. And funnily enough, given that I was really interested, I checked out a video produced by our colleague from El Cuarto Set, who, just to mention very quickly, I love watching videos and content from El Cuarto Set. I think he's, well, as you say in Spanish, it's super refreshing. And, well, he's had so many top interviews with the key players in the game. So 
hopefully one day we'll be able to have a chat with him. But yeah, yeah he basically you, tested the bat. Yeah, so you go quickly, for it, if you hear this from El Cuarto set, obviously you're invited to the pod. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And well, basically he tested the bat on court and it did look really, really good. So even though it only has one hole, it's really light, which is surprising given that one would think more holes would mean less weight. It also apparently is really maneuverable and really easy to use when defending and volleying. So the only negative thing that I heard when him, you know, playing Guadalajara, he was mentioning that he struggled to put a lot of spin on the ball when playing bandejas and volleys. And he said that that might be to do with the lack of holes because obviously the mm. holes enable you to put more spin on the ball due to their uneven kind of regular nature. Yeah. And so maybe the bat loses a bit compared to other bats in that sense. But one really key thing is that according to head scientists, it's far more durable than other bats due to only having one hole. Because for those of you who don't know, the way that most paddle bats break is cracks in and around the holes. So this could mean that the head extreme one could attract a lot of buyers who want to buy a paddle bat that lasts as long as possible. So yeah, super exciting and a really cool development. And I don't know. Are you going to buy it, Gons? Well, I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but for sure, I really want to try it just for the pure curiosity of it, to be honest. Agreed. I, I definitely want to try it. And as you said, it almost feels like they've taken the piss out of us and yeah. we have to play with bats with holes in them our whole life. Apparently, Dropshot released a bat with just one hole a number of years ago, and it wasn't a success. So I wonder what happens with the Head Extreme one. See, incredible. And do you know what price it's going for? I actually, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's around the 250 euro mark. So, more or less, what the top bats are going for. Fair enough. So, just the standard, yeah, top bat, nothing too crazy. Yeah, I was just having a quick look. It's, yeah, 250, 270 euros, seems like. So, not crazy price and i'm sure a lot of people are going to want to buy it and there'll be a lot of videos on youtube regarding tests and feelings so yeah keep an eye on one hold bats guys <laughs> indeed we'll start seeing a lot more of these i guess uh, on the court but uh, maybe moving on into our last topic and it's back to the paddle pod race oh we've certainly missed this obviously we didn't have the time to do it with nico unfortunately but I'm not going to lie, Hugo, I actually haven't managed to check out the scores and from last time, because obviously this was before the summer, but I do have a feeling that it's a positive for me because I think you were still winning. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I do have a feeling I was in front, but I don't know how many points that is. And I know you were pretty close. So, yeah. But hopefully... Don't worry. For next time, uh, I'll do my homework and I'll get the, the scores together. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess going into it, obviously we're going to guess the semifinals and the finals and obviously the winner as well, counting the score in sets. So Hugo, I'm going to leave it up to you, given that we've got the Premier Paddle Paris Major. Great. So yeah, just for those of you who don't know, it's called the Green Wees Paddle Major. So Green Wees have acquired the naming rights. And because it's a major, it's one of the four big tournaments that Premier Paddle will be hosting this season. So I've gone slightly boring in my predictions, but this is genuinely what I think is going to happen. 
I think the first semi-final will be Lebron and Galan versus Paquito and Chingoto. And the second semi-final will be Goya Tapia versus Tupadineno. I think the outcome of the first semi-final will be two sets to love for Lebron and Galan against Chingoto Paquito. And the outcome of the second semi-final will also be two sets to love to Goya and Tapia against Tupadineno. And could this be because I really want to watch Lebron and Galan play Goya and Tapia again? Maybe. <laughs> but I do think this is going to happen. And in the final, I had doubts about the scoring sets, but not much regarding the winner. I think Koya and Tapia are going to win against Lebron and Galan. And I'll go for two sets to love Koya and Tapia. Interesting. So we've basically got the same participants, but different scores. So at least hopefully I'll be able to win there. I do think, yeah, Lebron nice. and Galan are going to play Paquito and Chingoto in the semifinals. I think Paquito and Chingoto have like super easy draw to get to the semifinals. Uh, so I definitely bank them getting there. And obviously, primary power, as we've mentioned, seems to just become even more relevant. So uh, I do think that Lebron and Galan will beat them two sets to one. And on the other side as well, Coyo Tapia and Stupa Dineno, shame. I do think that Koki um, Nieto and Santh will be in the quarterfinals and beat Momo and Sanyo to get there. But I think Stupa Dineno will edge that. Uh, anyways, having said that, I do think Koyo and Tapia will beat them two sets to love. And then, yeah, the, the probably the most awaited final again, Lebron and Galan being in peak form against Koyo Tapia. And there, I do think it will be two sets to one, but I also think the winners will be Koyo and Tapia. Well, there you go. So, pretty much the same outcomes regarding, well, the, who makes the final, who wins the tournament, but scores are slightly different. Who knows? Yeah. I'm very excited, very excited for the start of the Paris Major. And sadly, it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, it's been a great episode, Hugo, as always. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for obviously tuning in and listening. Hope you all have a great week ahead and please tune in into the, in the Paris Major. Cheers, guys. Have a great week and see you very soon.